0: and your love for others would be seen and heard. Daniel chapter 4. Shall we? Kids, at this time, you may be dismissed. Ages 7 and on down. Headed to the lights. So initial question from Daniel 4. Have you ever been brought low? Maybe you made it all the way to the championship game and you lost. Or maybe in high school, college, you had a really bad breakup. Maybe Maybe a career loss. Or uh, especially for us fellas, like an injury that tanks our athletic ambitions to be a pro athlete, right? You know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Something that that happened to you that really rocked you to the core. Do 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 you have that story in your life? And I bet looking back on it now, they say hindsight is twenty twenty. that you would say that was the hardest time in your life, yes? But I bet you would also say that that was some of the sweetest moments and you would never trade that for the world. You got yours yet? You got your story? Isn't that the truth though? The hardest times. You wouldn't wish them on anyone else for sure. But you would never trade that period when you were brought to your lowest point. Why? Uh, That's what makes us who we are. Sometimes the greatest trials can become our greatest stories. Greatest stories of redemption. Greatest stories of growth. Do you have yours yet? Do you have it locked in your head? I've got mine. I've shared it before, but if you're new here, if you're you're visiting, whatever, um, mine happened in eighth grade. You see, I wanted to be put up on the wall of fame in my high school. Why? Because I wanted the name of Mike Newman to resound in the halls after I was dead and gone. I wanted everyone to remember me. And the path to get there was to make varsity as a freshman. I wanted to be the greatest basketball player in my hometown. And the way to do it was to do something that had never been done. And so I gave my all, all my efforts, all my ambition to be the greatest basketball player that I could. And I did make varsity as a freshman. And that year, right before that, that, that season, during football, I crooked my head a little bit to the left. And during a nutcracker drill in football, I uh, herniated one of the discs in my neck. And it was a slow injury. You couldn't quite tell that I was injured. It wasn't like a broken leg or a broken arm where I had a sling. It was almost this silent injury between me and the Lord as, as, the, as the herniated disc infringed on the nerves in my right side. It became tingly and it became difficult to raise my hand, which makes it very difficult to play basketball, wouldn't you say? And slowly, slowly, as the years went on, my ambition to be the best basketball player in my hometown diminished. It was really hard for me. And it wasn't until my senior year of high school that I realized what God was doing. You see, my eyes were on myself, my name, my fame, and God, in his graciousness, in his kindness pursued me. He was after me so that my heart would be wholly his and so that my eyes would be lifted up to him. That's mine. Do you have yours? Nebuchadnezzar had his. You want to find out about it? Let's do it. Go to chapter four. This great story is going to teach us that God humbles the proud because He's a jealous God. And friends, this is a little bit of a bitter pill to swallow. But I promise, if you swallow it, it'll go down hard. But it'll sit well with you in the end. So the title uh, this morning is Forever After. Forever After. Kind of sounds like a fairy tale, doesn't it? But that uh, that's not my intention like like. Forever after, and they lived and went happy. No, no, I'm kind of using it um, as a way of saying that God is forever after, a term of pursuit, his people. He wants his people to love him and for their hearts to be wholly theirs. And so that's the timeless truth this morning. The forever king pursues his subjects so that their hearts are wholly his and I'll just give you a little warning. This is not going to be an easy or feel-good message. And I'm sure that uh, us pastors, you've seen this, that sometimes we can shy away from the truth that God is a jealous God and that He wants His glory for His own. That doesn't always spread warm fuzzies in the congregation, but it's true And we need to hear that this morning. And if it is true, it's almost like God is like a glory hound. He wants his glory and he will have it. C.S. Lewis calls this attitude of, of, of God pursuing his own for his own glory like this. He says, it's like the hounds of heaven and where he pursues his own with his hound dogs. I love that one, especially because I have a hound dog. So in this passage, we'll see Nebuchadnezzar and his pride. And we're going to see the greater story of how God pursues him. And we're going to see it in two ways. Because we're going to see Nebuchadnezzar have pride. We're going to see him get to his lowest point where he becomes like the beast of the field. And then we're going to see him become a believer in the Lord. But I want you to see how God does it. How does he do it? We're going to see it in two ways. We're going to see that he does it through people having hard conversations. And he does it through discipline. And the end result is that we got a humble man before God. And I believe that we will meet Nebuchadnezzar one day in heaven. So, can I just start off with chapter one, or I'm sorry, chapter four, verses one through three? This is the end result, okay? Here we are King Nebuchadnezzar, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me, this is Nebuchadnezzar, to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion endures from generation to generation. What in the world? How did he get there? We're going to see that today. Point number one. God pursues his people through devoted followers. So in short, I hope you're seeing this. This is not just the message of like, oh, Nebuchadnezzar was prideful. Hey, church, don't be prideful. Be humble. And then I'm good to go. Watch how God pursues his people. The first point is he's going to do it through his devoted followers. It's through followers of Yahweh that are surrendered to Him, that are going to be obedient to the Lord no matter what. They're willing to have hard conversations. They're willing to go into conflict for the glory of God. Listen to how this story unfolds, okay? So Nebuchadnezzar, he has another dream. And the dream uh, goes like this. There is this massive tree And it stretched all the way to the heavens and its branches all the way to cover all the peoples of the earth and all the beasts of the field. Everyone came under this tree to be protected by it and to be fed by it. It's a beautiful, abundant, fruit-providing tree. And then the dream turns. The dream goes like this. There was this watchman This watcher, in in the Scriptures it says, the Holy One, shouts out, proclaims, cut that tree down! All the way down to its stump. And let the beast scatter. And let the fruit fall and be rotten and scattered. Why? Let your eyes find verse 17. If you don't have your Bibles with you, it's up on the screen. Why would this tree be cut down? it says that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom He will and sets over it the lowliest of men. So there's the dream and there's the purpose of the dream right there. Okay, and so Daniel, he is brought before King Nebuchadnezzar and he Uh, is to give the interpretation of the dream. Let's take a closer look at how Daniel acts when he's in front of the most powerful man on on the face of the planet. Here we go. I'm in verse 19 and 20. It says, Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was dismayed for a while, and his thoughts alarmed him. Let's just pause for a moment. Dismayed basically means... Like this dude was overwhelmed. He's in front of the king. He's given the interpretation. He knows it's going to be a grave interpretation. And so he's a little overwhelmed. Another pause. You ever been there? Let me ask you like this. Have you ever been a little bit nervous or overwhelmed when you've had to deliver a little bit of hard news to someone? When you've had to be the initiator of a confrontation or a conflict. Tell you what, I think Daniel was too. I think he was too. I think he was shaken in his boots. And I think if that is where Daniel was at, and if that's where you are at, that means that there's humility in your heart. I think Daniel was a humble man because he was a little bit overwhelmed. That's a man who's cautious with his words. He doesn't want to run rough shot. He knows that his words and the interpretation of the dream will actually affect another person's life. But he's not gun shy. Like he doesn't shy away from the truth. He reverently walks into this situation with his eyes wide open. Let's look at the rest of the verse. It says, The king answered and said, Belteshazzar, don't let the dream or the interpretation alarm you. And then he answered and said, My Lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. Just take a moment and look at the respect that Daniel has for his sovereign God and how his sovereign God puts over him people, leaders, political figures. He trusts God so much that he respects those over him. Daniel could have wished that Nebuchadnezzar would just die. He could have wished curses upon him, even if he disagrees with Nebuchadnezzar, which I'm sure he did. He was respectful to him. That attitude that Daniel displayed right here, uh, to me, reminds me a lot of of what Jesus told us to do. It says, to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And I don't think this is the ultimate point of the passage, but me in studying it this week sure did challenge me to not speak ill will of our president. How about you? Does it challenge you? I know. But that doesn't mean that Daniel shied away from the truth. Let's watch how the story continues to unfold, okay? So Daniel basically says to Nebuchadnezzar, So King Nebuchadnezzar, that tree, that's you. Your power, your influence is high to the heavens. It reaches out. There isn't a person on this earth that doesn't know about you and doesn't experience your influence, your leadership. All peoples come under you and there isn't a beast on the field probably that doesn't know about you. But you are that tree and you will be cut down. You will be humbled. Why? So that everyone will know that your kingdom, when it gets cut down that it'll confirm that heaven rules this earth and you don't. (laughs) How about that? And so verse 27, Daniel calls this prideful man to repentance. It says, Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. And so as we track this story, let's spend a little bit of time talking about what repentance means. Cheap or fake repentance would look something like this. Hey um sorry about my pride. <laughs> Certainly, there's no heartfelt genuineness in that, right? Like, husbands, wives, how would you like it if your spouse apologized like that? Sorry about what I said. My bad. But genuine repentance has biblical language in it and a biblical plan for action to run opposite in the direction of the sin. I'll say that again. A genuine, repentant man or woman has and uses biblical language and has a biblical plan of action. And the action would include something like this. If this was my sin, my plan incorporates running opposite of my sin. So here's biblical language. I have sinned against the Lord and you. Not like I made a mistake Or like softening it with like code language of, hey, I'll just try better. I have sinned against the Lord and you, please forgive me. I was wrong. Biblical plan. Let's just say your sin is lying. Okay? Your plan would be then, not to just say, sorry about lying. Your plan would be to pursue Radical change in the opposite direction of lying. So what's the opposite of lying? It would be truth-telling. It would be openness. It would be raw honesty. Biblical language with biblical plan equals genuine repentance. Let's take a look at Nebuchadnezzar's sin of pride. Knowing that, what should he do? Well, Daniel guides him in genuine repentance. First, he tells him, Hey, Nebuchadnezzar, you've got to break off your sin. Do you see that in there? In the margin, just write genuine repentance. Number one, break off sin. That means that Nebuchadnezzar has got to find what is detestable to God and declare it as sin. And that, my friends, isn't always the easiest thing to do. It's actually really hard. Like, I'm not talking about how repentance is a gift from God. Like, that is assumed. What I'm talking about is the hard work of studying yourself, studying your sin, and allowing the Holy Spirit, catch this, to reveal to you the root, not the fruit. I know that's cliche, but it's so helpful. What is the root of my sin? Not just what I did. So Nebuchadnezzar shouldn't just say, hey, sorry that I said that, God. I won't say that anymore. No. Like, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. It would be something like, God, I've sinned against You with all that I am. I've been thinking of myself more highly than I should. God, have mercy on me. I've shared this illustration before, but I think it's helpful. It would be something like this. Let's say you're driving and there's some traffic. Someone cuts you off. Or someone like you're at a stoplight and someone is looking at their phone and it turned green. And as a result, you didn't get to go in the green. You have to stay one more light, stoplight, right? Right. And you grip the wheel and your knuckles turn white and you let that guy have it by going, right? And all the wrath that's in your heart gets poured out into the car right in front of you. And you're like, yes! Or is that just me? Anyone else? Uh Uh-huh. So fake repentance would be something like, sorry I honked the horn. I really got to work on honking the horn." but the deep work that needs to happen would be, why, why did I explode at that person in front of me? Is it because he was making me late? And maybe if I'm late, then I won't get that raise. And if I don't get that raise, then I don't get what I want. And so that person is keeping me from getting what I want. And that causes me, us, to sin in our anger. You see how that works? It's just a little bit deeper than, man, i got to just lay off the horn. So Nebuchadnezzar, first he's got to break off this sin of pride. He's got to repent of it. He's got to get downwind of himself. That's number one. And number two, watch how Daniel guides him. That he needs to, number two, per- pursue fruit opposite the sin. So what would you say is opposite of pride? Humility. That's right. But how do you pursue humility? The great thing about studying the Scriptures is that you don't have to stick your nose up and wonder, I wonder how I should pursue humility. Actually, God wants us to keep our noses in the Bible and say, how does Daniel guide him to pursue humility? Watch what he does. He tells him to pursue righteousness. Do you see that in there? Circle that. Look at the middle of 27. Watch how he goes on and says, and your iniquities. So it's a, 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 the compliment to the earlier phrase, break off your sin. Yes, break off your iniquities. Pursue righteousness. How do I do that? Watch that. By pursuing, by showing mercy to the oppressed. Hey friends, want to not be prideful before the Lord and practice righteousness? Pursue the oppressed. Can I give you just a little modern day example of that? I'm sure if you were in Poland, neighboring country of, um, why is it slipping me right now? Help me out. Ukraine. Or if you're in Ukraine, it would be really clear to see people who are oppressed. How to pursue humility in the Ukraine and in the surrounding countries would be to find someone who is oppressed and help them quickly. To lay down your schedule, to lay down your calendar your priorities and to look and meet the needs of others here it's a little bit more difficult cuz like we could like send a check or something and be like sweet i'm humble now right how do we do it here and i would say go out of your way to reach out to someone who's struggling who's having a hard time or catch this who might not be just like you they look a little differently they smell a little differently. They talk a little bit differently. Maybe someone who is unpopular, who, who's not a, po- a part of your inner circle. You don't always feel comfortable around them. Maybe this is a kid who gets made fun of at school or someone that like no one talks to at the office to pursue them, to be a friend to them, to be the light of Christ to them. Yet, even in saying that, this is how our human mind works, right? This is uh, this is how it goes. Oh, I'm so glad the pastor is saying those hard truths this morning. I hope so and so hears this, right? <laughs> I hope that she's or he's listening because they really need to do that. I've seen that go on in their life, right? But I think he wants each of us to hear that message today and say, Lord, who would you be leading me to? How can I practice humility, pursue righteousness, and and be merciful to the oppressed this week? Well, how does Nebuchadnezzar do? Does he turn? Find it in verse 28 with me. Here we go. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. Pause. Don't read on with me. Okay? Just take a moment. 12 months? Are you kidding me? 12 months. All this came upon him. So he knew the truth. God pursued him with people. He knew it. And God granted him 12 months. What does that teach us about our Lord? Is he like Zeus in the sky with lightning bolts waiting to just, God, I just want to get people. I'm after them and I am not slow to anger, but I'm quick to it. Of course not. But it does show that our God is a pursuer of his people. We know in the New Testament it says that his kindness leads us to repentance. And he does this. He pursues you because he loves you. And here he is after King Nebuchadnezzar. And if, if God can get him, he can get us too. Verse 30, And the king answered and said, this is the worst part right here is not this great babylon which i have built and by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty ah oh. and boom right there before the words even came out of his mouth god knew the condition of his heart and he was driven from among the men and he ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with dew from heaven till his hair grew long as eagles' feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. Why? Don't take my word for it. Look at verse 32 with me. The Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom He will. So point one was God pursues His people through devoted followers. And now, God's pursuing Nebuchadnezzar how? Through discipline. Our God's going to discipline Nebuchadnezzar here. Hey, let's just take a look up for a second. Have you ever been disciplined by the Lord? (laughs) How's that for a party starter? I wouldn't use it. But hey, this is church. And we're real here. We don't like talk about just fluff. This is what our God does. We should be proud of Him and what He does. And here, He is disciplining Nebuchadnezzar for his rebellious heart against God. For seven years, this guy roamed the earth like a beast. And so the hard truth, the hard pill to swallow this morning is that God is able... To discipline you. Me. He's able to take us from our pride to humility. And this should bring about a great fear of God. We should fear Him. Not like fear Him like Zeus. But we should fear Him. So let's... Just shift gears for a moment. It'd be easy to come away again from this message and go, "Hey, what'd you what'd you get out of the message?" Hey, you're having lunch. You order fajitas. Hey, sweetheart, what'd you get? Oh, I shouldn't be prideful, and that um, I should I should be humble. Check, check. More so, how does someone get pursued by God? And how does someone pursue humility? Would you just keep a finger in Daniel with me and turn to Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. This is in the New Testament, if you're new to the Scriptures. It's a short letter written by Paul. And he erupts in praise about the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and talks all about his work. It's just one of, one of the great passages that we know of in Scripture. All of chapter 2. But here's verse 8. I'm I'm, uh, highlighting the aspect of the humility of Christ here. It says, And being found in human form, He humbled Himself. Underline that. By becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. So, Jesus' humility wasn't a result of God trying to restore his pride. And now he's humble, like we are just seeing in Daniel 4. His pride going to humility and God restoring him. Jesus, perfect in every way, humbled himself. So he wasn't moving from pride to humility. God, the Father, wasn't trying to renew something in Jesus by bringing Him to humility. Jesus actually, in His incarnation, He became the agent for us to get renewed. For us to get humble. So if you're thinking, how do I pursue humility? That Jesus, He is the pathway For our recovery against pride, against junk, dirt, poison, so that we would be redeemed and whole and humble. Amen, church? So if you just want it it in shorthand, it would be that the path to humility comes through the one who humbled himself. I'll say it in different ways because this is so important, right? This is not just for non-believers to get saved. This is for everyone, believers, non-believers. If you want your heart healed from the gangrene inside of it, like if you want the poison of your pride to be healed and done away with, cleansed, free from disease by faith, You've got to believe in the one who humbled himself and took on your pride. It's chapter four in this whole book in Daniel. Perhaps you've been like trying to identify with Daniel the whole time. Like, I want to be like Daniel. And you're like coming up short. Why? You don't know why? I do is because in this book, the character that we all mostly identify with is Nebuchadnezzar. I know, I know. It's like, I know you're not building 90-foot like statues at the little Miami field, but we all have built these massive idols in our heart. And they... They're still erected and living strong in our hearts. And God, through this text, this morning, is calling us to humble ourselves. And He uses people to do it. And He disciplines in order to get us there. Is He doing it now in your life? Is He bringing you low? What should you do? I think your job, your aim, your ambition in response to this morning's message is found in verse 34. Look at what God did for Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of the days, that would be his seven years of being a beast-like man. I, Nebuchadnezzar, what does it say? Just, I lifted my eyes. That's just what we sang saying about. And friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, that is how it's always been. That's how it's always been. Listen to this. The Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and mount it on a pole. And when anyone who is bitten looks at it, he will, he'll live. So Moses made a bronze snake and mounted it on a pole. If anyone who was bitten looked at the bronze snake, he would live. And so too, the son of man. Anyone who looks upon him, when he is lifted up high, he shall what? That's right, he'll live. And that's for us today too. Church, whatever is going on in your life, you must lift your eyes to him. This, this action of lifting is synonymous with faith. It's trusting God in all things in life and acknowledging that He is in control. Let me read you a quote by C.S. Lewis. He seems to be the, the, uh, the writer of, of humility and what pride is. He says this, A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. The beautiful truth in that is not just find your inner strength within you to look up by faith, but actually the comforting truth is that our God in the Psalms, He's called the great lifter of our heads. And He'll help you lift your eyes to Him so that you can trust Him. How does He do that? He pursues people. And in Daniel 4, we're seeing this. That He uses others to pursue our hearts. And He disciplines people so that we will be wholly His. And so, we've just been praying about this and thought that... um, this is, this is the bitter pill to swallow and that um, all of mankind has pride in their hearts. James says, if you say you're without sin, that, 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 Newman translation, don't do that. <laughs> we need some time to swallow this bitter pill. And so there's just, um, at the end of our time here, Um, We're going to give the church an opportunity to respond to this, but first to to pray. And so there's going to be several questions that just prompt you, help you to, to ask the Lord. Like Psalm 139, it says, search my heart and know me, right? See if there is any grievous way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting so worship team, would you come on up? And they're just gonna just play and grant the church some time to just think on these things. Here's the questions that will that we wanna as a church ponder and ask the Spirit to to um, invade our hearts. Questions like, do you have pride in your heart? That would be the question of like, hey, have you been building your kingdom or His? And if the Spirit like, convicts you, your response out of humility and not pride would be to confess your sins and to repent of those sins and turn away from them. The next question will be, can you lift your eyes to Him and ask Him to help you walk humbly in your specific area of life or context? And the last one is, how is God leading you to run opposite of your sin? And I would just urge you to take these three questions and just lay it over your priorities, your week, everything that is coming before you, your whole calendar. May these questions be your cornerstone and guide this week. Let's just pray together and be silent before Him.